helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Hi, this is Melissa Waggett, and I want to welcome you to today's episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today we'll be talking about overcoming sexual triggers. We're really excited for you to join us today. And if this is your first time tuning in, we want to tell you a little bit about us here at Elam Counseling Services. We are a nonprofit counseling organization located here in Ottawa, Canada. If you want to find more information about Elam Counseling Services, we encourage you to visit our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or we encourage you to call us at 1-877-544-3546. And we'd be happy to provide you with information about the services we offer and also provide you with copies of past shows if you happen to have missed them. We also want to remind listeners that Elam Counseling Services and this radio show is possible in large part by donations from people like yourself. If you've benefited from this radio show or our counseling services in the past, we encourage you to consider providing a donation to this important service. All the information about how you can donate can be found at the, our website. Again, that's elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or always give us a call at our toll-free number, one 544 3546. And for those of you who have joined us many times over the years on this show, you may be wondering, where is our fearless leader? I can assure you he has not left us. He is in studio and I'm really proud to introduce, um, registered psychotherapist, director of Elam Counseling Services, the one, the only Michael Hart is joining me in studio today. Well, I almost looked behind me to see if there was someone else when <laughs> you were doing person? that introduction. But thank you, Melissa, for that wonderful introduction. And I'm so excited to be here today to talk about this very important topic of overcoming sexual triggers, because I think this is an area that affects many Christians who have been sexual abuse, abused in the past or raped. And they have these triggers, these things that are wreaking havoc in their relationship, or even if it's not uh, creating a lot of difficulty, it is limiting them in, in what they're able to enjoy during intimacy with their partner. So today we want to uh, give some insights into how we can go about overcoming, getting past those triggers. And yes, those things that you have been been suffering with for years or that have affected you for years are changeable. I have had many clients who have come in with triggers that they have had for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and they have been able to get over these triggers by applying some of the techniques that I'm going to be talking about here today. And so to begin this discussion, we wanted to bring up a Bible story that we've talked about a few times on this show in the past, and it's the story of Tamar and right. the rape that Tamar experienced at the hand of her stepbrother. And this is going to be our starting place for this discussion. But for people who may not be familiar with this story or haven't heard us talk about in this class, can you give us a bit of a Coles Note version of this story and where we find it in the Bible? Yeah, so this is a story from Second Samuel chapter 13, and it's a story where uh, Tamar's half-brother, Amnon, uh, pretended to be sick, asked her, got his dad permission to ask Tamar to come and to take care of him while he's in the state of sickness. She came over 
to bake a cake for him. He made sure that they were alone. He sent all the other servants away. And when after he closed the door and she brought the cake to him, he overpowered her, overpowered Tamar, and raped her. And the story is a very, a very sad one. And we have talked about this story in more detail before. But in a nutshell, it, it, it it's a very sad story because we are told in this passage that after he had raped her, he told her to get out. And that, and then the Bible said that he hated her with a greater hate than how he loved her or infatuated before about her before. And then we have this very sad picture of Tamar leaving and weeping and tearing uh, her garment in shame and uh, just uh, intense, intense sadness. And so I think this story is a good story whenever you talk about uh, sexual abuse issues because many people can identify with this story of Tamar. And so for the purposes of, again, painting this picture for our discussion today, if we were to imagine Tamar in the future and having an intimate relationship with her husband, what kind of triggers potentially could she experience based upon what she experienced with her brother? That's a very good question, Melissa. I think uh, when we think about the story and the context, like triggers really uh, take place within context. So if we take the context in which this rape happened, one of the possible triggers that Tamar, if we fast forward, and the Bible doesn't tell us these things, so we're extrapolating uh, from from the scriptures possi- possibilities that could happen. So Tamar, as a married woman could be triggered by the smell of baked products because she had baked this bread for her her her, her half brother and brought it to him and maybe there was a smell of bread while he was raping her so for someone who is raped in this kind of a context there can be uh there can be this this kind of trigger where she's the smell of baked good could be a trigger for her. Another possible trigger uh, could be the closing of a door. You know, after Amnon sent the servants out, he closed the door behind him. So just the sound of a door closing for someone who has been raped, that sound can bring back trigger. So as a married woman, it's possible that Tamar could be in a situation where she doesn't want the bedroom door to be locked because to have it locked will send back that kind of those kind remind her of those kind of feelings that maybe she'll have panic attacks or just feel real intense anger as a result of what happened to her before. It really sounds like these are multi-sensory yes, events. It's- absolutely. It's bringing back those images and those pictures in your head. Anything else she could experience? I think, too, when you think about it, uh, the fact that Amnon was the initiator and it was an unwanted uh, unwanted initiation, Tamar could be a person who becomes triggered whenever her she's not in the mood and her husband, say, make any kind of advance towards her. So for people who have been sexually abused or, or raped, uh, they can be triggered by just someone who they, they know that this person loves and cares about them, but just the, the fact that this person is initiating could be very, very traumatic for that person and could, could be triggered. So she might feel more in control if she's the initiator. But if her husband 
uh, were to initiate. It could be that this could be a trigger. Another possible trigger could be the way that Amnon touched her. And then so certain kinds of touch could, for her, be triggering within intimacy with her own husband. And so as we're talking about this story of Tamar, before we get too far, I just want to clarify. Obviously, in the story, Tamar is a woman. Yes. Do similar things happen across genders for the purposes of today's discussion this can right. happen to either partner in the yes, relationship absolutely yes because men too are abused and exactly. i've seen men who have been abused and dominated as a young child sexually that they will say if my wife ever takes the initiative or dresses up and initiates sexual intimacy i am totally in a panic attack because to me this reminds me of my abuser and so they they are okay. Men, uh, uh, these kind, these men who were abused as children, they are okay as long as they are in the role of initiator. But they too will have similar type of triggers based on what happened and, to and, them. And I think that's the other thing is there's a wide variety of things probably that can cause these triggers. Yes. The most important thing for us for today's discussion is the effects of those responses right. to those triggers. Yes. Yes. So though and people overcoming these triggers exactly. So though people may not identify necessarily with every detail of Tamar's story. If you've experienced something similar or close to, you may still have some of those effects. So in terms of Tamar's story, then we talked about some of the things she may experience if she were, if we were to extrapolate from the Bible story and have her in a married relationship when she's intimate with her husband. How, what do you think about her, her bringing up this topic with her husband? Should she begin having a conversation with her husband about the abuse she suffered at the hands of her brother? How that, do you how do you initiate? I know I gave you the big guns right off the top. This is yes. I sense mm-hmm. probably a difficult one to answer, mm-hmm. which is yes. why I ask it is if people are identifying with these things and maybe they haven't disclosed to their partner, how do you do that? Should you do that? What should things should we be considering? I think that's a very good question, Melissa, because I think in a lot of cases where women have been through this kind of sexual assault and a, a sexual abuse. Uh, they carry a sense of shame. So for many of these women, even in marriage, many years after, they haven't divulged what has happened to them. But the the elephant in the bedroom is creating havoc. Many of these women, there are things that they don't like, and they've never said to their husband, I don't like this because of what I have been through. But I think it can be a step in the direction of healing for you to be able to confide in your partner, to say, I have had this tragedy in my past. I've had this sad thing that has happened to me as a child. Because if you're in in a relationship where you have a caring and loving partner, that kind of vulnerability can be very helpful in 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 bringing about healing for both of you to work together as a team to help you confront these challenges and overcome these these sexual triggers that are affecting the marital relationship but i would like to say here that uh it's very important for you to determine if your relationship is safe enough for you to have that kind of discussion because there are some relationships that are on very rocky ground 
And so for to divulge something like this, it could be used against you as a way of putting you down. It could be used as a way of exerting control in some kinds of relationship. And so it could make matters worse. So if you are in a relationship where you don't feel safe, where you, you, you feel that your partner is not sensitive to what you are going through, what you have been through, it might not be the kind of relationship that you want to bring up this kind of discussion unless you're both going for counseling help. And so I think this is a very a good time for me to segue into the show that we'll be to talk about the show that we'll be having next week, Melissa, because next week we'll be talking about uh this this the seven qualities of a healthy marriage. And so if you want to know whether or not your marriage is safe enough is a kind of marriage if you have been carrying a secret like this that you could divulge, be sure to listen to next week's show as we talk about about the seven, the seven qualities of a healthy marriage. So if you're in a healthy marriage, then I think it, it's okay for you to, you should be able to, you should be talking to your partner about this because some of the techniques that we're going to be covering in this show involves uh, telling your partner, working with your partner to overcome these challenges. And so at the end of last week's show, you began to discuss some techniques that people can use if they're experiencing these triggers. And there's four techniques you brought up. And so for the purpose of people who may be joining us for the first time this week, do you mind refreshing your memory about what those techniques are and how we can utilize them? Yes. So we, we talked about... Uh the four, the four steps. The first step was to stop. If you're in the middle of of uh, intimacy and you become triggered as a result of something that has been said or done, it's important for you to say, let's take a break here because I'm feeling really, really uh, a lot of panic right now, or I'm becoming angry as a result of of something that has just been said or done. And so first of all, stop. The second step is to is to soothe yourself by taking deep breaths or by uh, just maybe talking yourself down off the edge of the cliff by saying, it's okay, you know, this is not the same situation. I'm in a safe place and this feeling will go away because by by self-soothing, I'm having problems saying that word to myself, <laughs> soothing i think i'm saying it or, or you understand what i mean right so so by 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 this you'll be able to calm yourself down and so the third step is to focus on the current situation so pay attention to the colors the sounds that you hear in the room the touch what the touch of the sheet feels like the touch of your partner's skin and as you focus on the current situation it will take your mind or your subconscious mind that has been triggered of the past uh, abuse. And then the fourth step is to replace the old response with a new one. And this might not be possible in every situation right away, but but sometimes you might need counseling help. But in, in mild triggers, it's possible for you to say, instead of reacting by running away from this kind of touch and by ending this, I'm going to invite my partner to touch me again in that way and for me to uh, expose myself to it so that I can get over it. And choose to react by saying things like, this feels safe, this is my partner's touch, and by so doing, you can get past this trigger. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Show. Today, we are talking about overcoming sexual triggers. If you've missed the first half of today's show, we encourage you to listen to it on our website at elamcounselingministry.com. 
Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com, or you can call us toll-free at 1-877-544-3546, and we'd be happy to provide you with a copy of today's show. So, Michael, you just finished uh, reminding us about the four-step technique for dealing with triggers. What are some common mistakes, though, people make when they're trying to um, tackle these sexual triggers? I think what the biggest mistake is to avoid. A, a lot of people avoid the situation that caused discomfort, and by so doing, they might be they they are often sabotaging blessings in their relationship or taking their intimacy to another level. Because if you avoid something that is a part, a natural part of intimacy, just because it makes you uncomfortable or it triggers you, then you're going to remain stuck, and so. There are many people who have come to me who there are certain things that they could not enjoy because these things were triggering. And so once they're able to get over uh, this through help, they realize that their relationship is much better and more fulfilling than it has ever been. So the biggest mistake, I think, is, is to avoid. The second mistake is to deny. People deny that what, is happen- what has happened to them have negative effects. They might make excuses like, oh, the Bible say that we shouldn't do this, but then you look in the scripture and then there is nothing in the Bible that talks about what they're saying. They have just spiritualized the issue and come up with reasons to justify that they have a problem. When in truth and in fact they're 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 just denying. There's nothing spiritual about they they're not wanting to do certain things. It's just a way of denying that they have been effective. And that case kind of similar to the third point where people spiritualize. And so and I think the other thing that people do in situations where they are being triggered is to blame the other person, where they can say, it is because you are touching me in this way. It's because you don't know what you're doing. And this is why I'm feeling like this. If you were only pretty different. pretty personal, pretty fast. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, if you take a different uh, mindset where you step back and say, you know what, this is my problem. Maybe it's not my partner. Maybe it's me. So instead of blaming, and, and blaming can go both ways to where the other partner who is under receiving end can be uh, upset or can be hurt as a result of being demand, uh, being denied certain pleasures where it can get into a blaming game where you start blaming each other. And I think if you're going to overcome sexual triggers, then it's very important for you and your partner to be on the same team. So don't avoid, don't deny, don't spiritualize and don't blame. I'm glad you brought up the other partner because I wonder what advice you'd give to them if they have their partner who's experiencing these stretch sexual triggers, tongue-tied for me too. How should they begin approaching this? I think the, 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 the first rule is to never try to force your partner to do something that they're, they're, they're uncomfortable doing or that they don't want to do. Uh, as a result of a trigger, right? And so if you're, if you're finding that this makes your partner uncomfortable, the worst thing that you can do is to push to have your needs met through whatever, whatever it is that's making this person uncomfortable. Because by so doing, you're, you're recreating the trauma. You're putting this person in a situation similar to what they have been through before that caused the trauma. And so by, if you keep doing it, you're just making it worse. And so you can, you, you will spend years, uh, have years of frustration and fight over the same issue. 
issue instead of just saying this may be something that we need to get help for. The other thing that I think partners were on the other end should make sure that they don't do is that partners should make sure that they never that they avoid lectures and criticisms of the person who is going through who is having these triggers. And so if you if you if you criticize or lecture you're just causing more tension and more stress and triggers and 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 trigger response will become even worse in those kind of situation. So the same thing that you're trying to prevent would be the the thing that you're causing by talk by by blaming or criticizing and i would also invite partners to learn more about ptsd and triggers because a lot of responses that uh, partners have during sex uh, as a result of sexual abuse is ptsd type symptoms and if you can educate yourself as a partner in receiving and maybe you might not even know that your partner have been sexually uh, your partner have been sexually abused but you suspect that something is wrong and there are certain reactions that you're seeing that just doesn't seem normal educate yourself about uh, PTSD and 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 sexual triggers and maybe you this get initiate a discussion with your partner that might help your partner to open up and reveal the truth and may even open the door to you getting as a couple getting help so if someone is out there listening and either in this show or last week's show they have identified that I'm probably suffering from some of these triggers that you're talking about today, Michael. What steps should they take to begin getting help? Yes, I think the the first step I think that they should take to getting help is to, one of the the techniques I should say, uh, is to begin to write out what your triggers are. Knowledge is very powerful. And instead of just... Uh, experiencing these triggers, I would say make a list of the triggers and arrange them in terms of from the most severe to the less severe intense feelings that you have. And so uh, if you if you have this list of triggers with the most severe one at the top, for example, and then you, you go down the list to the least severe one, or it can be the other way around as well, then the next thing that you can do is to approach with your partner, challenging and working through these triggers, starting from the least one, the one that caused you the least discomfort. And I think the mistakes that uh, people sometimes make in trying to deal with these things on their own is that they have no idea what the intensity of the trigger is. So one good way of rating uh, these triggers, what we call uh, subjective units of disturbance or SUD for short. And what this is, is if you say from a scale of zero to 10, where zero is no disturbance when I am touched in this way or when I hear this word, where zero is no disturbance to 10 being the most severe emotion that I could ever feel. Where on that scale would I put this trigger? And you might say, well, this is about a six. Or, you know, if you're starting with the least one, this might be a two or a three. So that's the one that the lowest one that you want to start with. And then you can work your your way up. Having said that, depending when it comes to the more intense, when you get to the more intense triggers, you you will most likely need professional help to be able to get over these triggers. And that's where specialists in these areas like myself and others are able to help you 
help you to deal with the triggers in a way that can help you to overcome them. And I've seen where people have coming with intense trigger where when they start talking about these triggers, they will be hyperventilating or it is so intense that they're saying that they are sweating and, and they are shaking and sometimes there are even tears running down their face. And I would say to them, you're going to get over this because uh, in a few sessions, you're going to be able to talk about this same trigger and you're not going to be sweating, you're not going to be crying and you're going to be breathing normally. And they will look at me in disbelief. And then in a few sessions, we are able to go through the, the pro- once we have gone through the process that I take clients through, they say, well, I talked about this for the first time and I'm not crying and I'm not shaking. And I would say, you know, just do a scan of your body and tell me what's going on inside. And they will say, I'm fine. And so that's, it, it, it's a very measurable uh, way of approaching the treatment of triggers. And I, I, I like this area of work because I, I see tremendous results. I would say almost anyone can get over whatever trigger it is that you're going through. And I'm thinking it's probably not even just those severe triggers that'd be really helpful. I'm yes. thinking those people sometimes, and we've talked about this before, where your trigger is at a, almost a subconscious level, that you know you're having symptoms of something, but you've repressed that memory or that thing so much that actually being able to name what that specific trigger is can probably be a challenge sometimes. So having someone like yourself to unpack all that stuff yes, yes. would be very helpful when you're having that time to figure out, I know something's not right, but I can't put my finger on it. Yes, that, that, that is so important, Melissa, because a lot of time people are not self-aware of what really is going through. And as we talk about uh, the common mistakes people make with sexual triggers, sometimes because they have spiritualized the, the, the trigger for so long, they may just think that it's a godly thing, right? I, I have no interest in sex and it's because I'm spiritual, right? It's because I'm seeking I'm pious God. And I'm, I'm pious and I'm pure. Yeah, and I'm pure. But it might actually be that it's because of a fear that you have of intimacy because of what have been done to you. So people sometimes deceive themselves into spiritualizing issues instead of dealing with issues. You know, when I say that we are quickly out of time for today, Melissa, so I think what we might need to do is to, because you still have a lot of information to talk about here on this very important topic of sex overcoming sexual trigger. So we're going to do the second part of this show next week. How about if we do that? I think that's a plan. And then we'll save the healthy signs of a healthy marriage for the week after For the week after. Sounds great. Yes, so we'll do that. So we'll do this show in two parts next week. We'll get to the the other part, and then uh, two weeks from today, we'll do the the seven qualities of a healthy marriage. Let me just say to you, if you're listening to my voice here today, I hope that we have said something that can stir some hope within you. Maybe you have thought that you are stuck the way that you are. Uh, but I'd like to tell you that there is hope and that there is change. It might take some courage on your part to be able to face your fear and to reach out for help. But whatever it is that you're going through in your relationship uh, can be overcome with godly help. And so we encourage you to give us a call at one 544 3546. We have trained counselors on staff, myself and others, including uh, female counselors, if you'd like to speak to someone 
uh, who is female, you can give us a call and we'll be happy to set that up for you. Again, you can find out more about us by going to our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. And so until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services. And Melissa Waggett. Praying together that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.